mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Well, Stu, here we are, episode 40. We're rattling these off now, aren't we? We are indeed, yeah. I can't believe this. We're on our way to 20 before we know it. That's quite a lot, isn't it? What you been up to? You okay? You well? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Very busy at the moment. Going through that kind of like um, peak time of running around like a whatnot. Before everyone takes six weeks off. And then during the summer months, then nothing happens until September. Well, here we are, episode 14. Very privileged guest today. Property royalty, I'm going to call you Victoria. We have Victoria Whitlock, who is a journalist. And for those London-centric listeners, they will know that Victoria is the accidental landlord who writes in the Evening Standard every week and has been doing for about eight years. Is that right? Yeah, about eight years. Victoria, yeah. yeah. Mm, So you, you, you call yourself the... You've always been known as the accidental landlord, and everyone I speak to in property always reads your column. Um, so hey! you, were, <laughs> both of them. Uh, so you, um, I mean, you were an accidental landlord before people knew what an accidental landlord was. That's quite a common phrase nowadays. Yeah, um, and a lot of people sort of tweet me and say, "How can you possibly be an accidental landlord when you've got three or four properties?" But I did start off accidentally. I didn't mean to be a landlord. Well, it was. You Tell know, us about just, that. I mean, what, yeah. what what happened? Okay, so I was first a landlord back in the late 80s yeah. when I moved to London from the north, couldn't sell my flat, or I, I could have given it away, I suppose, mm. but the prices then had crashed way back in the 80s. So I came to London and I rented it out and um, it wasn't a great experience because the mortgage at that time, I think I was paying an interest rate of about 10%. So the rent didn't actually cover the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So I was subsidising it. So I never meant to go there again. When I sold the property, that was it. I wasn't going to be a landlord. you off property Yeah, almost. yeah. It just, I just thought, well, you know, that was okay, but I'm not going to do that again because it cost me money. But then about 12 years ago, a relative of mine was living in the basement of a big old house which was owned by a charity. And then she found out the charity is... The charity was going to sell the whole building, so she was going to have to move. So she called me up one Saturday morning and said, how about we get together with a group of friends and we buy the building? The whole building? The whole building, yeah. And I said, yeah, okay, when I meant to say no. (laughs) Easily done. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how this happened. And so we ended up, a group of us, buying the building. And then we had three flats, and my husband and I had one flat in this building. And we meant to sell it. We meant to do it up and sell it. But we spent so much money doing it up that then... You couldn't afford to sell it. it, it, Mm -hmm. We couldn't afford to sell it, so we kept it. And that's how I ended up being a landlord in London. Right. So, and, and where are you now with this? I mean, did that? I mean, because it could quite easily have put you off. It's not. It wasn't an easy entry into buy to let, like maybe some people had in two thousand six and two thousand seven, where there was so much money flying around, you know. Um, but did, did you ever feel like yeah, I'm going to have to exit this at some point? Or when's it going to stop? Because how many properties do you have now? Yeah. So I actually have three now yeah. that I'm renting out. But, um, well, so I did actually buy it in two thousand and six. This place right. and. I can't remember what the interest rate was then, but I think I was paying about five and a half percent. And again, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, the rent again did not cover 
the mortgage on that one either. So we had it for a couple of years and I was thinking, what am I going to do? If we sell it, we probably won't make the money on it. I can't afford to keep subsidising the mortgage. Mm. So then I came up with this clever little plan of buying another rental property. <laughs> but this time it was an ex-local authority flat okay. and the yield was much better. They are, yes, yeah. absolutely. You, yeah. might, you, you might not get the exponential you know, house price increase, but the yields are very that, good on ex-local that's authority. That's right, yeah. So you, well, I was doing it just for the yield. Mm. So then that flat subsidised the other flat. And then, of course, after 2008, when interest rates came down... It was it was yeah. it was a money spinner, presumably. Fantastic. Yeah, then I started making money. I started making around. good money on both of them. Yeah, right. So well, finally, what? after all those years, finally I started to actually make money as a landlord. So you, yeah, accidentally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is where you got your name yeah. from. Yeah, but yeah. how did you start writing for the Evening Standard then? Because that, I mean, an eight an eight year column is pretty yeah, it's pretty know. consistent, isn't it? You must be mm. doing something right. Yeah, well, as I was saying earlier, I mean, can you probably hear me scraping the barrel sometimes <laughs> for ideas? Because it is every I know week. You're struggling because you sometimes yeah. email me. <laughs> Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's a bit of a challenge because obviously there isn't a story every single week. Mm. But um, there's a lot to talk about, though, actually around the whole buy-to-let issue. So I don't always have something anecdotal or something mm. that's happened to me or to one of my tenants. But there's a lot going on in the property market. I mean, the government all the time is mm. changing legislation. Well, there's also let's talk a lot about of that because from your days of an accidental landlord to now quite an active landlord. There's been a huge amount of change. I mean, what? Mm. How do you see buy to let? I mean, is buy to let in London? Is it dead as no. an active market, as you remember it from ten years ago? No, it's not dead, but it's a lot slower. I mean, mm. it's not money for old rope anymore. I mean, I don't think it ever was, but I think because of the increasing legislation, because of certain things that the government has done to dampen the market, I think it is harder now. I think you'll see fewer people jumping in. It's, it, it's not as easy to get into, as you said, is it? It's not People aren't throwing money at you anymore. The, criteria, the no. lending criteria is it, quite it, tough it, now. Very. I mean, we uh, the most recent buy-to-let we've done, uh, a client bought a, a flat in uh, SW18, I think it was. Um, they had to put £130,000 in on yeah. a buy-to-let. Including stamp duty, um, and her net return would be about three hundred pounds a month after costs. That's an awful lot of investment for a very very small return, and the, and the hope that the house price will increase, yeah. which it may well do. But it's a it's a heck of a gamble. Yeah, and you've also got to think you've got to maintain and keep that property. So you might be making three hundred pounds a month, but then you've got to think how long have you got to hold on to that property for? And if you've got to hold on to it for more than five years, you're going to have to do refurbs in that time. You're going to have yeah. to put possibly a new bathroom, a new kitchen. In London, these cost a lot of money, you know. And depending on the standard of the property, you could be spending a small fortune there's on a, maintaining those. There's a lot more responsibility now as a landlord as well, isn't there? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's not it's not Rigsby anymore. I mean, you've got responsibilities, health and safety. You're, uh, you're running a business, and more than that, you're you're providing somebody with a home. Mm. So it's a huge responsibility. Mm. And a lot can go wrong with properties. They don't take care of themselves. And when things go wrong, they tend to be expensive things, you know, like a new boiler or, yeah. you know, it's the it's roof. It's small items, is it? It's, it's a mini project, effectively, when mm. it comes up. Yeah, so if, if you take your responsibility seriously, you, you have to set aside quite a bit of money in order to, to look after your properties. Mm. Where do you buy your properties, um, Victoria? Have you got a particular hotspot in London that's your preference, or um, do you buy what you know? Yeah, they're all in southwest London, and that might not be sensible, but that's because that's where I live, mm. and I want to maintain and look after them myself. I want to manage them myself, yeah. So, and I've got a job, so I have to be able to get to them quite easily. So I have looked at buying outside London, sort of particularly up north in areas where mm. property is cheaper and yields tend to be better, particularly in sort of university towns. 
But then I think, oh, how would I, look, how would I look after them? And I know from having a property in the north and living in London years ago that they do deteriorate if you're not there. Even if you've got an agent managing them, nobody cares about that property as much as you would. Mm-hmm. And so it, when I went back to it after three years, it was really shabby. It hadn't really been probably taken care of. Yeah, and then you've so, got the ex- extra expenditure then having you to bring it back up to the standard. Exactly. In that respect as well. Yeah, so I think it probably would be a wise move to buy outside London and or maybe other parts of London where prices are What, what about a, di- a diversification? Because tra- a buy-to-let has always been traditional one-bedroom flats, particularly in London, maybe two-bedroom. Um, but since all the changes have come in, people now looking at commercial, yeah, semi-commercial, uh, Airbnb, holiday lets. The, the, you know, chasing that yield has, has moved the whole concept of buy-to-let in a different direction, I think. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't go down the Airbnb route, not in London, because of the restrictions on yeah. uh, renting out properties for um, short-term lets. It's, it's tough. And a lot of people don't know that they're not supposed to let their property for more than 90 days a year, but you're not. And I think the government might get, and councils, might get well, and lenders. Yeah. You look yeah. in your mortgage conditions, I guarantee yeah. you. Oh, and insurance is an yeah. issue as well. Mm. And also, it's not as easy to make money in the Airbnb market You're as right. people think it is. Um, there's The market's quite flooded at the moment. Mm. And, you know, you could get about 20 quid a night for quite a decent place outside of central London. I mean, central London, they probably make a lot of money. But outside yeah. central London, you're not going to make a fortune, to be honest. Mm. So I wouldn't go down that route. But I would love to get into commercial property. I just don't know how to do it. You know, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. What, what would that, when you say commercial property, what, what what would that look like to you? Is that is that a, a shop with a flat above? Is it is it a, I'm thinking is it a, a, more a nuclear power station? I mean, where do you want to go oh, with yeah, that? Nuclear power station. I haven't thought about <laughs> that. I'll think about that later. No, I was thinking more sort of offices. Yes, like, um, right, small yeah, yeah. offices. Yeah, but I just it, it's all new to me. Mm. I wouldn't. I mean, know a lot of them they do tend to. Um, there's a uh, kind of a fairly kind of sizable um, area around me, which is down the New Forest, and it was the former um, office building of the New Forest National Park. Ah. And they they moved premises and um, somebody came in and bought the old premises, which was brand new when it was put there less than 10, 12 years ago. And that was all converted into more like a business park arrangement where you had probably about 20, 25 individual offices, um, more like a business centre than anything else. Had yeah. a central thing in the middle where everybody shared a meeting room, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. And that then, for example, that. I think it's going great because of the nature of it. The, the size isn't too big for a lot of people, so the overheads are lower for the businesses. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think overall with that, it's it's kind of could well be the way forward for a lot mm. of, certainly for yeah, absolutely. Um, Victoria, we've got a couple of questions from um, some listeners that uh, that have been sent in. Uh, this one's from uh, Seb Ryman at Surbiton Twenty Twelve. Um, it's, uh, Victoria, there's been an increase in the number of buy to let landlords buying through a limited company. Is that something that you've ever looked at and considered? Yeah, I have looked at it because um, when the government announced that they were going to remove or reduce the um, tax relief for landlords, private landlords who don't own their properties to limited companies. But the problem is I couldn't transfer the properties I have now. Existing ones. No, yeah. because it would be too expensive to do that. You'd have to Trigger pay stamp duty and capital yeah. gains tax. Yeah. Um, so... I think if I were to buy another property, I would consider it, but it's quite complicated and there are pros and cons. I spoke to an accountant Mm. and got advice Mm -hmm. on that and worked out that it might not be the best route. It might still be better to own properties privately. We we always send the client to an accountant Mm. before before we send them to an estate agent on on buy-to-let. 
Well, I think these days, if you're thinking of going into buy to let, you should definitely um, get some financial advice first and speak to a tax advisor yeah. before you do that. So you know which is the best vehicle for you to use. Yeah. Um, because everything has changed so much since I first invested. Yeah. Um, friends of mine who bought buy to let bought them um, through a company. Um, but I... I just don't know which would be best for me. I still don't know. And I'm not really thinking of investing anymore in residential anyway. Okay. So, um, okay. so Another question here from, uh, from Scott Thorpe at Scott LMFS. Uh, Scott says, um, everyone knows how they got in the buy-to-let market, but how are you going to get out of the buy-to-let market? Have you got an exit route? I have no idea. <laughs> you and two million others. Yeah, I know. I think I just thought when I bought the properties, I thought, well, one day I'll just sell them. But... Um, if you sell, you've got quite a lot of capital gains mm. tax to pay, and I'm not opposed to that. I don't think it's wrong that landlords should pay capital gains tax, and it's not horrendous. I think it's something like 28%, is it, if the maximum? But nevertheless, you will give away a big chunk. So right now, it would be better for me just to keep on renting them out. I'll mm. make more money renting them out than um, I get on the interest on the money that I would make. Um, so I don't really know. My plans keep changing. I think the thing is as well, it's one of those situations, isn't it, where you obviously view them anyway as a longer-term investment. I think government policy on various things changes like the wind seemingly as well. It's one of those scenarios really in a way where kind of you don't need to feel rushed about it. It's a case of that you can have a longer-term plan of eventually what you'd like to do. But I think overall the way in which the market's looking now, likewise what we just said about limited company buy-to-lets, it's at the moment the in thing, in inverted commas, as a reaction to those changes mm. in policy. Who knows where we're going to be in five years' time? Well, we don't know. It's really hard to predict. It's hard to know which what the government is thinking and what, what which way the government will go on this as well. Mm. I think there might be a rush to sell if Jeremy Corbyn got in <laughs> the next election. I think then there might be a bit of pressure to flog them, a, I think. But, but I think though, the thing is, well, I was reading an article actually on the way up and it was talking about government targets for house building mm. and um, the knock-on effect then into buy-to-let, into rental demand and that sort of thing, mm, mm. is that the government's still nowhere near hitting any of the targets no. that they've set. So mm. in that respect, the demand for rental property is going to remain yeah, medium to long-term. Yeah, I mean, I think we are seeing a softening of demand in parts of London, to mm -hmm. be honest, and maybe that's something to do with Brexit. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's just the market that I'm in. Um, but there will always be demand. Yeah, we haven't mm. got nearly enough properties. Yeah. Another question here from uh, a broker up in Yorkshire by the name of uh, Adam Hosker. Do you hear something? No. Victoria? No? Street? No. Uh, his question here is, um, with all the changes in stamp duty on purchasing and ongoing um, relief, can the market survive? The buy-to-let market? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think it can survive, but I think it will survive in a smaller form. I think it's the changes, the increased stamp duty will put people off buying. It yeah. will make it less affordable. Hurts in London people. in particular. You know, a, four, yes, uh, a 400 grand mm. one-bedroom flat, mm -hmm. which is pretty standard you've got an additional twelve thousand pounds on top of normal yeah. stamp duty so i think this is one of the reasons why we're seeing quite a lot of buy to let landlords particularly experienced landlords looking outside london now and then talking about other cities like manchester and southampton and mm -hmm. places where the property prices are cheaper therefore the stamp duty has less of an impact but the yields are still good and they can make money so i think in london that there's definitely been a tightening up but 
people are moved. People will always find a way to make money and do business, won't they? And buy to let yes. is no different. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so they were, they're spreading out of London, I think. Whereas mon, London mon, yeah. is where you see the house price growth typically. But now they're lo- when they're looking for yields, they're looking outside London. Yeah, money will, money will always hunt for a yield. And I think it, the, yeah. the buy to let market is changing. We see very little activity on the purchase side in London now. Mm. If we get one inquiry a month, you know, I'd be very, very surprised. And it is, a lot of it is going up north. It is going up to the, the northern powerhouse of Manchester mm-hmm. and, and Liverpool. And on the other side, you know, the Grimsby's and, and, and yeah. Sunderland's mm-hmm. because that you can buy a £50,000 house and get £600 a month return. Yeah, you can get some really good years. Whereas in London, you'd be doing well if you were getting 5%. If you just very well, I, I think. Mean, I mean, well, yeah, and that's what people aspire to. Mm. And yet 5% is not very much. If you think with interest rates start to go up, mm. that's not going to, you're not going to cover your costs. Because, you know, if you've got estate um, letting agents fees to pay, management fees, mm-hmm. maintenance, that's not going to give you enough money. Well, brilliant. Victoria, thank you very much. That was a very You're rapid very 17 welcome. minutes dissecting the buy-to-let market in London. It was very useful. Thank you very much for your time. Well, uh, you usual question, have you got a football team? If I sing the anthem, will you know what it is? We've never done that before, so let's give this a go. Go on then. Yeah. You fill up my senses like a bucket of frog <laughs> Like Dude, a greasy chip bucket. Go, oh, it's got to be a northern team, Nottingham isn't it? Forest, it would be a northern there. team. Nottingham Forest, no. Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Yes. Ah, we've got some. Danny Clayton would like that yes. one. Lee Schofield would like that one. Oh, you're going to get a lot of fans off the back of that. You? You a big uh, fan? Uh, no, Passive. I haven't been to see them for years, but I used right. to go when I was living in Sheffield. And um, I've got Sweden in the World Cup sweepstakes. So I'm Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, ah, so well, I'm, and the boys are doing well. We're going Stu- all the way. Stu is married to a, a Swedish lady. She's got a very strong meatball stroke flat uh, <laughs> furniture theme going on here today. Anyway, look, Victoria, thank you very much. Very That's well really done. useful. Thank we will you. continue to read your articles with interest for the next eight years. So, Stu, that was episode 14. It was indeed. Uh, yeah. Another thank successful you, one in the can. Um, well, until next time. Indeed, yeah. You can still send in your questions to us through the Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience. Um, and we will look to use your question in a future podcast as well. Um, in the meantime, thanks for your time, Martin. Brilliant. Thank you, Stu. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Mm